The Fake Show podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations. The Tone Factory Recording Studios in Las Vegas, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, Mr. Antenna, and Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. It's The Fake Show with Jim Toffey. Mira Servino's incredible career includes winning the Academy Award and Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress in the 1995 film Mighty Aphrodite. She also received Golden Globe and Emmy nominations for her portrayal of Marilyn Monroe in the HBO film Norma Jean and Marilyn. Some of her other great credits include Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, Mimic, The Replacement Killers, Summer of Sam, and now she stars in Ryan Murphy's latest series called Hollywood on Netflix. I've got Mira Servino on the line right now from her home in California. Mira, good morning to you. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for asking, and congratulations on Hollywood. It's brilliant, and yet another Ryan Murphy creation. Yes, Ryan is a master, and it was so much fun to get work for him and I can tell you that everybody else there had the same feeling, you know, just because I, I've never been on a set where people were so happy to go to work. They, they all are like consummate professionals, consummate, like, like lovely people um, that just have a real zeal for what they do. And you can feel it. It comes from the top and, and just everybody feels lucky to be there. Yeah. So with that in mind, I'm assuming that with Ryan Murphy attached to this, that that was one of the big reasons that you came on board. Absolutely. I've been a fan of his for years. And when they called my representatives and said, oh, there's a, there's a, a Lana Turner type role in this story uh, about old Hollywood a slightly reimagined version of it, um, would Mira be interested? And I was like, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was really a a, a wonderful experience. Yeah, you play this fictional actress named Jean Crandall. I like what you said in a recent interview that it's not your job to judge your characters, but to play them from their perspective, and, and she sure has one. Yeah, no, you have to, I mean, look, a person... You know, this is the thing, when you take a role, or if you, when you're deciding to take a role, if the person is really somebody that you cannot get behind in any way, then you usually say no to it. You know, if there's just nothing that you can relate to or like about them or find the fun in playing, then you don't play it. Uh, that doesn't mean that in your life you would make all the same choices as the character. So, you know, there are certain things that Jean is doing which are, you know, her way of surviving her time period and the fact that she's afraid that she's um, becoming irrelevant. Um, and so she's in a, she is in a consensual relationship with her boss, uh, the studio head played by Rob Reiner. And it's actually been going on for 10 years. And I am not a person who would have an affair, let alone with my boss, um, which, uh, you know, that's the difference between me and her. Like I, yeah, right. only, like, only issue I had when I was playing it was like, I don't want people to confuse her and me in terms of looking at her situation saying, oh, was that mirror with Harvey Weinstein where clearly the reason Harvey Weinstein blacklisted me is because I wouldn't have a relationship with him. Uh, uh, right. That being said, I'm not going to judge Jean Crandall because she's a different person from me. She was operating with, uh, under a different set of game roles in that time period. And there was love in her relationship with him. 
uh, it still was a, a relationship with a power imbalance. He had all of it. She had none of it. But there was affection, and it was a long-term relationship. But that being said, when, you know, something happens within it, which I'm not going to spoil for people, but she starts to realize she can't kind of live this way anymore, and she has to be very honest, and she's willing to take the consequences that come with that honesty. And then to her surprise, she's met with a completely different reaction than that which she expects from his wife, um, Patty Lapone. It's uh, it's really sort of amazing to watch the beneficence and the largesse of heart exhibited by the people who have power in the in in the story. Um, most of them being women or gay men. Like, and it's just this kind of this idea of like, well, what if the power to be were sort of shifted to other people in the past, and then what if those people made better choices, fairer choices, more loving choices that really represented who people are in real life rather than this strangely narrow definition of who stories can be about in old Hollywood as dictated by the Hayes Code, as dictated by sort of racist, uh, you know, demographic thing that people won't go to a movie theater if it stars a black woman or if it's written by a black man and you know, if a Chinese person is playing a lead, even though the role is in a story about China, it has to be played by a European, you know, um, this story sets to examine, like, the question, what if those decisions were made differently? It's the brilliance of Ryan Murphy, I guess, because we would be so much further ahead, wouldn't we, if the what if happened? Yes, it would. And, and not only in Hollywood, you know, because Hollywood is a bellwether of, you know, national tastes and thoughts. You know, and and what we see on our screens dictates the water cooler conversations, dictates the dinner table conversations, and ultimately seeps into the national, you know, unconscious. Like, so consciousness and unconscious. So I think when kids are exposed to a movie with a young black leading lady rather than watching a Gone with the Wind where, you know, a great black actress is only allowed to be a nanny, um, it changed their feelings towards the black people around them. They might question their parents' racist tropes and say, hey, she's amazing. I want to be like her. Like, what if your aspirational character, when you're a little girl in the 40s, happens to be a Laura Harrier, you know, playing the role of Camille Washington? What if you, you think she's the greatest thing ever, and you stop seeing color? You just say, I love Laura Harrier. I love Camille Washington. And you start not being racist just by your own insides responding to her genuine personality and talent on screen and her beauty and loveliness. Like, you know, the the studio system sort of shield the public from things that they think they won't be able to handle, they won't like. Just, per, you know, it, it just kind of perpetuated prejudice and um, unfairness. And so it, it really, yes, I do think it would have changed things far beyond Hollywood. I think society would be different. Were there roles that you had early in your career that seemed so daunting to you that you actually leaned on your dad for some advice? Well, I think when I got Robert Redford's quiz show, uh, which was my, I believe it was my third feature, um, I was so nervous after my first day of shooting uh, because I had come from, like, working on independent short films and, and features. And in those movies, we always had such a low budget that we had a very minimal amount of takes that we'd be allowed to shoot, right? You'd have like one to five takes at the absolute maximum, but usually it was one or two. 
uh, before they'd move on. And so I was used to giving a performance kind of quickly and then moving on. And Robert Redford had the luxury of being a big budget movie and wanted to take his time with it. Where I'm, you know, it's just his style to do many, many takes. And on my first day, like my character would deliver, you know, her side of a camera angle and then he would have me do it again like 15 times before he would move the camera to another (laughs) angle. And I started panicking and I looked across the room and I saw the casting director there and I said, oh my God, I'm messing up. They're going to call the other girl. (laughs) They're going to call the the one that was between me and her up until the last minute and they're going to say, I'm so sorry, we made a mistake. Please come in. Um, Come in tomorrow. (laughs) We've got a fitting for you tonight, you know. And, uh, and I went home, and I was really bummed out, and I called my dad and told him, Dad, I think I'm screwing up. I think I'm going to get fired. And he was like, Mira, 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 calm down. What's the worst that could happen? You could get fired. Well, we all get fired at some point. You know, <laughs> if that happens, you know, so so what? It's a badge of honor. But you have to just go in there, you know, with the courage of your convictions. Really prepare your role. Go in there with a big artistic choice and make a big flying leap at it um, because if you don't allow yourself the license to fail, you will never soar. You know, you, you, if you make the, the safe conservative choices and try and please everybody, then you're never going to do something really original. Say blanket is what he said, what I did, and, uh, <laughs> and it went fine. It, I didn't get fired. <laughs> so. That was really important, you know, this idea of, like, just just go with your gut and work really, really hard and don't go in with fear but with, you know, commitment to what you chose. And if you get fired, well, then you get fired. It's not so bad. I just wanted to thank you for being such a great voice in Hollywood and and for people's rights in general. We all appreciate that. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Now, Hollywood is now streaming on Netflix. Mira, thanks so much, and uh, stay well and good luck in the future. Thank you. Thank you. You know, Mira has so many TV and film projects coming up that it's impossible to list them all, but a few of the good ones are Water Lily Jaguar, The Sound of Freedom, and she's very good in the series Condor, which is based on Robert Redford's film Three Days of the Condor. That does it for this episode of The Fake Show. I'm Jim Tofty. I'll see you back here next time. Take The Fake Show with you at thefakeshow.com, SoundCloud, and at iTunes.